And some may say, we have some tough folks in our church. Some really tough, tough folks. And uh, I don't know too many people that can really, you know, just go through a complete shoulder replacement and then go to church a couple days later. <laughs> Len, you're a beast. I'm telling you. <laughs> and no wimps allowed in this church, right? No wimps allowed. We're uh, we're thankful that God gave allowed everything to go real smooth and and uh, so now it's just the healing and pray for him and the healing time that's involved and I know he'd appreciate that very much. <clears throat> well, last week we started a series on the church and we're going to continue that. Uh, well, this week and then after our African trip, we'll uh, we'll come back to it for about four or five weeks. And uh, we're talking about the importance of the body. Two years ago, um, a little more than two years ago, I shared this illustration with the, with us as the church, and I'm going to be involved in showing with it again today, and and so forth. So uh, hold on, it's just going to—I know some of the suspense is killing some of you, but it's all right. You'll be okay, and uh, you'll see shortly what what it's all about. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The importance of the body. And as you're turning there, I want to read just a, a, a little excerpt. Uh, there is a man uh, in D.C. area. His name is Dr. Mark Dever in uh, Capitol, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Um, a very educated man. I, I love reading through his material, but he has all kinds of... Uh, curriculum that's online, it's free, it's curriculum that he has taught through his church, and he makes it available for other people who want to use it. And he has a core curriculum, what they call a core seminar curriculum, and this one's called Living as a Church, and just an introduction of it, I thought it was really good. Um, It says, three simple facts exist, and we find them throughout the Bible. Number one, God has called Christians to be with Him forever. But for a time, He's left us in this world gathered into local churches. Number two, He has chosen to use our life together in churches as a primary method of displaying His glory. Number three, we are sinners. The first two facts work well together, but the third fact complicates matters considerably. Someday the whole world will bow before our God in humble worship and praise, but for now... God in His wisdom has left the task of displaying the glory of His perfect character to the very imperfect people who compose the church. When you think about it, he's very right. I'm amazed that as we look at the body, the church, we have so many different backgrounds. I realize that there is a church for about everything under the sun. If you think this is okay, then there's a church for that. And if you think this is okay, there's a church for that. And if you think this is absolutely wrong, there's a church for that. But I'm amazed that any of them get along. When you look at it, when you think a body of believers who come from various and and diverse backgrounds and then come together, and then you throw in the mix of all that a sinful human nature that where people enjoy living in the flesh and then say, get along that we're actually able to do it, (laughs) for the most part. And uh, you're going to see here that everybody is important to the body. Um, I know that throughout my almost 20 years of ministry now, there's inevitably, in every church I've ever been a part of, in every group that I've been closely linked to, there's always a few individuals who think the church should be about what they think it should be about. 
There's always going to be a handful of people who say, well, we can't do that because we've never done that before. And they say, because I like it this way and because I'm comfortable with it this way, we can't do that, whatever the that is. And it's amazing that we forget and lose sight of the fact that the church is not ours. The church as a whole, we as individuals, as believers, as called out one, as ecclesia, you are a child of God. And therefore, we belong to Him, and, and it removes what we think it should be like in the body. When we became a child of God, we were called into a relationship and into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Our fellowship, however, is directed two ways. It's with both God and His people. And notice what God's Word teaches us about fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, it says, God is faithful. You are called by Him into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, true fellowship is not revolving around food. It's not revolving around where you worship. It revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. Without the person of Jesus Christ, you can have no biblical fellowship. Jesus Christ is the reason. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, You were called by Him into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 3 says, What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He makes it very clear in this and in other passages that we have fellowship. We're called into this fellowship because of the bond that we have with Jesus Christ. So regular gathering was an assumed practice during the early church. Acts 20, verse 7. It says, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he extended the message until midnight. But they gathered on the first day of the week. It was a practice. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, as we mentioned last week, not staying away from our worship meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he says this, as the time ends on earth, and we don't know when that time is going to end, And there's two factors there. We don't know when Christ is going to come. We don't know when we're going to die. But we do know this. The day of the Lord is drawing nigh, right? I think we would agree with that. You look at everything that's going on in history. You look at everything that's taking place on the world scene. The Lord could come at any time. But the bottom line says, as that day draws nigh, all the more we should be coming together as a body of believers. And as we are coming together, it's not about, well, I'm going to put in my duty. I'm, not, I'm just going to put in my time. I'm just going to you know, show up because that's what Christians do. We are coming together for the purpose and distinct reason of fellowshipping around the person of Jesus Christ. He's the reason we're here. Without Him, we have no reason under the sun to meet here today. Does that make sense? He's the reason we come together. So he says, there's so much more as you see the day drawing nigh. So this morning I want to illustrate how important every person is to the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin reading with verse number 12. <coughs> it says, for as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now let me just kind of give a little teaser here if I could just for a moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want us to use this game here this morning. You've, you've seen this game before. Maybe your kids have had this game, your grandkids, so forth. But I want us to use for a little bit this morning. I want us to think of this as the body, as a local body of believers, the church, if you will. 
Kind of think of it as a structure, a building, a church, so to speak. The church is made up of what? Individuals who are born-again believers. That's what these little, little, these little guys are that make up the body of Christ. So just kind of keep that in mind as we go through this little text here. So as we continue on here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink at once of one Spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because um, I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as He wanted. Keep, keep that in your mind too. God placed each one into the body as He wanted. Okay? If it, and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now there are many parts, yet one body. Now, think about this. I want to give you several key points here in this message this morning. It's very simple. First of all, the body. You see two key things, verses 12 and 13, and verse 20. So verse 12, for the body is one and has many parts. You see a structure here. It is all one structure. But yet, the structure would, be not, would not have any size, it would not have any strength if they were all standing by themselves. Stronger, they create one sense of structure, one body, so to speak. And then it goes on to say, verse 13, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether we are Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one Soul, one spirit. So you get the idea here. As we come into the body of Christ, there are all kinds of diverse backgrounds. And I love it when a church can work together and say, well, that's just an American church. Or that's an African-American church. Or that's a Napoleon church. Or that, you know, come on, we're, we're one. And you think about it, it's an amazing thing that Mike and I are going to go to Africa in a week. And we're going to basically go over there and we're going to find people who are part of God's church. And it's amazing that we can walk into their culture, we can walk into their fellowship, and immediately we are going to be able to fellowship together because of the bond that we have in Jesus Christ. Backgrounds different? Yes. Cultures different? Yes. Same Jesus Christ. And that's the way the church should be. It shouldn't be those, well, he grew up in the church, so you're one of the accepted ones, and he just recently started coming, so therefore you're the outsider. We should be one in Christ. One. All growing together, and as far as I last, at least last time I thought it through, I don't think anybody has arrived yet, so to speak. We all have things to learn. We are still on a journey of growth, right? So we're still going forward, learning all that God wants us to learn, becoming all that God wants us to be, and so forth. But the body functions as a single unit. And Paul uses the human body as his analogy to illustrate the unity of the body of Christ, I think about 18 times. 18 different times he says, we are one, we are one, we are one, we are one. And the body points out this illustration. Over and over, we are one. So, you go later in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, or, or actually earlier in 1 Corinthians, he says that there's divisions among you, rumors of division. And he says, this ought not be. There should not be divisions. Divisions come when we don't function as one. Does that make sense? When we become selfish... Well, bless the Lord, I don't like that music. Or bless the Lord, I don't like that translation. Or bless the Lord, I think we should do Sunday school this way. When we start doing that, that's when the division comes in. 
Because they all think about what I think is most important, what I think is best, and what I think God likes, God likes or doesn't like. Folks, we should be one. God loves unity. Period. We have to understand that. God is all about unity. But secondly, not only the body as it functions as one, secondly, the members. And we see that in verses 14 through 20. Members are representative of the parts of your body, but they also represent each of the people in the church. It's amazing. He calls some of you a foot. <laughs> some of you are an armpit. I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just guessing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> No volunteers. Um, but some of you are, you know, eye, and some of you ear, and you know, we all do different things. Aren't you glad there's not 20 of me? I mean, good Lord. Uh, you can't handle more than one of me. Uh, you can't handle more than one of you either, though. No. <laughs> but you know what? God made us that way. He made us each with different abilities, different skills, different, uh, you know, mindsets. And the the bottom line is He gives us different abilities and skills or the lack thereof so that we can complement each other in the body of Christ. We can't all do the same thing. Not everybody's going to be up on stage singing. Not everybody's going to stand here teaching. Not everybody's going to go work down in the nursery. Thank the Lord. I love children, but I love to be able to say, oh, aren't they awesome? Here you go. Um, I love teasing them and making them laugh and then say, here you go. Um, We're all different. And God made us to be different. But He made us to be one and to function as one unit. He loves unity. And He makes us different. So He didn't make every one of us a hand. He didn't make every one of us an eye. He didn't make every one of us a foot. He made us all different. And because of that, we have different functions. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So though we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Number three, there's distinctions of the members. And we see this in verses 21 through 26. Verse 21 says this, So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, part, even more those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we clothe them with greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have better presentation. But our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. There's distinctions within the membership of the body. Every member is different from the other members. Um, No two members are the same. Every member needs each other. And every strong member should help protect the weaker member. Now think about this. Aren't you glad that you didn't have three arms? I say, what planet did you come from? But it's amazing God made you just just to fulfill a perfect task. He didn't give you three legs. He didn't give you two, you know. And he didn't, on the other side, he didn't give you one leg. So you'd have to hop around everywhere. Man, what happens if you have a hip problem with one leg? You're done. I mean, God designed your bodies to function smoothly and correctly to carry out a, 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 a task that only, only your body can do. 
But you know, it's amazing how when one suffers, it says there in this passage that everyone suffers. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had a terrible backache before? Raise your hand. You ever had a terrible backache just put you down? Well, I don't understand why it gets you down. It's your back. It's not your foot. I mean, good Lord. I mean, get up and do something. Your feet are fine. Just because your back hurts doesn't mean your feet... You get the point, right? When one hurts... When your back hurts, and when you've, when you've gone through those terrible pains of back spasms and, and your back being out of line and a sciatic nerve or, or a bulging disc, when you go through that, your whole body shuts down, doesn't it? You don't feel like doing anything, even though your toes are fine. Even though your fingers work perfect. When one suffers, the entire body suffers. It's amazing over the years that how much sleep that we can lose because one is suffering whether righteously or unrighteously one suffers and we bear the weight of it when someone in the church gets mad and leaves it hurts the entire body when one person says well you did this or so and so did this and I'm amazed over the years and I've been in churches long enough my entire life and if maybe you have too that if you've been in church any amount of time you're going to get stabbed in the back Anybody been there? Somebody said something, somebody did something, they hurt your feelings, and you're out of there. And it never ceases to amaze me over the years that when one person gets hurt by another person, they don't walk away and say, that person did it. They say, that church did it. And that church did this, and that church did that. And I go talk to them, I say, well, it wasn't the entire church, was it? Well, no, it was so-and-so. Well, I said, well, then... The rest of the body really loves to see you here, and the rest of the body doesn't have anything against you, and you don't have anything against the rest of the body, so let's come back and let's deal with it. Well, no, no, see, now I've got to deal with pride. And I've left, and I've met my opinions be known, and now I've got to deal with that. And that's just, I don't want to deal with that, so I just don't, it's easier to leave. Let me ask you a question. Have we really thought through what biblical forgiveness is? Seriously? Because if I truly, honestly, before God, biblically forgive, the offense is gone. I didn't say it was forgotten. I said it was gone. And the difference is this. When someone says they're sorry and you forgive them, that seals it. So it should be resolved conflict, back on track again, growing together. It's not, I'm sorry, but... I'm not sorry you, but you did that. No, it's I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Swallow the pride and you deal with it. When biblical forgiveness comes in, you move on. But how many times have we seen somebody in the body get their feelings hurt and they say, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm not coming back again. That's me, church. That's saying it's all about me and what I want and what I expect and what I deserve and what I think I should get. The body is one. And God loves unity. I want to paint this picture just for a moment. I'm glad God did not make us all the same. But it's amazing as we come into the body of Christ, there's this structure. And some of you have seen me do this before, but now we got Mr. So-and-so. I mean, he's been here for you know umpteen years. And man, I tell you what, everyone loves this guy. But man, so-and-so just irritated the fire out of him. And he's having a hard time dealing with this. And finally, he gets to the point where he just says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. 
What happens when somebody who's been there for a long time, who maybe has shared in the responsibility of the church, they've been an active, functioning member of the church, and they're, man, they've been here for a long time, everybody knows them, and they decide they've had nothing to get out of there. What happens to the structure? It weakens it. Where once it was strong, now there's a hole missing. And it's amazing that God's Word says that He's placed everyone into the body as, as He wanted them to be. As He chose for them to be in the body. And so when we step out of the body apart from God's will, we are, we are basically weakening the structure. Because we choose to not do our part. And so we need to be careful that in the structure that we fulfill our part. Because by doing our part, the body functions one as one, and it's stronger that way. I mean, look at this. Every member doesn't does the same, or, or, or every member does something unique to itself. The eye sees, the hands grab, and arms lift, or the muscles. Your feet take you places to do things. Every part of the body has a different function, and when one of them ceases to fulfill its function the structure breaks down. It is always stronger when we fulfill our role. Every member cares for other members. It says that there be no division. I think that was found in verse 25. There shouldn't be any division. There shouldn't be schisms in the body, so to speak. There shouldn't be, well, there's this click over here and there's this click over here and, well, this group, they do this and that group does that. We should be one. I loved it in, our, in, in the first church that I, that I served in. Grace Bible Church, I was a youth pastor, an assistant pastor there. But I loved it because one thing that I learned from that church is that Pastor Fisher says, said to me, he says, hey Ken, I want you to constantly, constantly push the younger kids to the older generation. And he goes, and when I have them on Thursday morning for the older group, I'm going to push all these old folks to the youth. And we're going to push them towards each other. And we're going to be one. It's not going to be this age group and then there's this age group. We're going to work together to be one. And so what we did, every time we went on a youth group, I printed up the entire, or, or, or every year I'd give them a list of everybody that was in the youth group. So I'd give them to the elderly, and they, I said, you pray for these kids. And then he would give me a list of the elderly folks from my youth to pray for the elderly. And we pushed towards each other so that we could be one in the body. That's a marvelous thing. There shouldn't be this group and this group and this group and this group. We all should be working together to do what God has asked us to do and to be what God has asked us to be. Every member is placed where God saw fit to place it. If you're here, I don't believe it's an accident. I mean, we can sit there and have concerts every other weekend and draw crowds in from the outside. And what happens is as soon as the concert's gone and over, the people are gone and away. I love it when life touches a life. I love it when this person impacts this person and God leads them to be part of this body. And I believe at that point, God says, this is not an accident that you're here. And God has a role for you to fulfill in this body. A, a job to function as. And every member hurts when one member suffers. I don't know about you, but we should suffer. We should hurt, excuse me, when one hurts. When, one's, when someone's in the hospital, we should be praying for that person. We should be writing them a letter. We should contact them in some way. Let them know that they're thought of. I think if in the, in the last several years, probably the biggest beef that I hear from people is that nobody ever calls me. And I realize there's an element of it's all about me because I didn't hear. But at the same time, there's some legitimacy to it. 
I didn't hear anybody, hear from anybody. Nobody calls me. Nobody sends me a letter. Nobody talks to me. Nobody stops by my house. That should not be. Because when one suffers, we should all suffer. When one hurts, we're all hurting. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When that person is honored, man, we honor, we honor them too. When that person gets a new car, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Good for you. When that person gets to move into a nicer house, wonderful, exciting. That's awesome for you. Rather than jealousy or pride or being upset because it didn't happen to you. We should rejoice with each other. That's what God wants. God's Word is clear on these things. But consider what happens when a member decides that he is not wanted or does not want to fulfill his role. If everybody just stays the same, well, this church has run 70 people for seven years and we're all just stay the same. What happens to the structure? It doesn't grow. Is God happy with that? I don't think He is. Would you be happy with your three-year-old if he never grew beyond two foot four inches? Seriously? Why? Because growth is not only expected, it's natural. And when something doesn't grow... There's something wrong. So when we don't fulfill our role, and we don't, when we don't do what God asks us to do, we stay, we stagnate. And actually, over time, we begin to weaken. God wants us to do our part. The body is actually, actually weakened. The body doesn't fulfill its purpose. And all it takes is a few people to destroy a church. Did you ever think about that? I've seen churches destroyed in less than a week and have permanent damage. I've seen it. I've seen it happen over carpet. We saw it in New Pal over a sign. We saw it in, not our church, another church down the road. We saw it happen over and over again over, over the last 20 years. But in one case, the division came so quickly, so I mean, just came on so fast that the church actually just basically fell apart. It's because of selfishness. And all it takes is just a couple people saying, "Well, you know, you know, I've been here a long time. If they don't want my opinion, fine, they can have it." And you know, and I'm just that's it. I'm just getting out of here. And you know, and then this person gets their, you know, gets all upset and they're out of here. And then this person gets out of here. And wow, yeah, there's still something there. But how strong is it? How strong is it? God wants us to be working together, fulfilling our roles, not just stagnating. He wants us to fulfill our roles. Question. How many have ever had a toothache that is just miserable? You ever had one of those? What happens when you get a toothache? Man, it hurts. You don't feel like doing a whole lot. You feel like being a big old baby, like us men are when we get sick. Yeah, no comments. Um, but we don't want to move forward. We want to just sit back and clam up. But when you sit back and clam up, what gets done? Nothing. But here's the thing. When we function as God wants us to function... John 10 puts it this way. God's Word not only also calls us 
body parts, but he also calls us stinky sheep. In John 10, he says, I have sheep that are in the fold, but he said, I also have other sheep that are outside the fold. And what, what must we do to them? What? Bring them in. And when we, do our, when we function as God wants us to function, and we do what He asks us to do, and we bring them in, what happens to the structure? It gets stronger and it grows. What's more biblical? Stagnation or growth? Growth. But it only happens as we function as God wants us to function. When we're not worried about doing our own thing. We're not worried about how church wraps around me and what I think it should be or what I think they should do. It's amazing how many times over the years, and you've heard it as well as I have, boy, pastor, I think we as a church ought to fill in the blank. Yeah, let me drop everything I'm doing to do what you want to do. We kind of have that mindset sometimes. And we think somebody else should do what we feel led to do. Because after all, I'm busy. If God gives you a burden to do something, you should do it. If God gives us the ability to do something, we should do it. If it's good and it's right and we have the ability to do it, let's do it. But when I have a mindset that I'm not getting involved, someone else can do that. We're not adding any strength or structure to the body. And nothing happens. Nothing changes. I want to have a strong structure. Strong structures don't happen overnight, do they? Growth takes time. But it doesn't happen if we don't do our part. It doesn't happen unless all of us are willing to do our part. Over and over, he makes it clear that every one of us has a role. He said, well, Pastor, I don't know what my role is. Pray about it. See where there's a need. See how God might burden you. And then start slow and work your way into it. Mike, did you know everything about the orphan ministry when you went over there the first day? <laughs> Has it like unfolded like an onion into like several layers deep and now it's like, wow. Huh? Still happening. Nothing happens overnight. So it may be that you have an interest in an area and you say, I don't know anything about it, but I'm interested. Nothing will change if you don't take that first step. God may have you uh, interested in the area, burdened for an area of ministry. And if you do nothing, nothing changes. You've got to get involved. And not only that, James 2 makes that really clear about our really, really our relationship with Him. James 2 says, faith without works is what? It's what? Oh, it's dead. In other words, it's not there. It's gone. Dead. Gone. So he says, if I'm truly saved, if I truly know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I won't want to just sit and soak and sour and be a spectator. I want to get involved and be a participant. If I truly know Jesus Christ, I want to serve Him in some capacity. And the capacity which God has left on this earth is the local church to carry out His work and His will. I say, Pastor, you think everyone should be doing something? Yep, I do. I really do. Do I think we all should be doing the same thing? Nope. <laughs> that would create an amazing traffic jam. We don't want that. But what has God burdened you to do? What interest has God laid on your heart? And what baby steps are you willing to take to be involved to see that the structure is made stronger? See, it's really easy to get mad and leave. I mean, anybody can just like, well, they don't listen to me, so I'm just going to go over there and do my own thing. I just forget it. That's easy. 
Running is one of the easiest things that God ever gave us, gave man the ability to do. Two legs, you just speed them up and go. It's really simple. Running from problems is so simple. People do it every day. But I don't believe that's God's way. I don't believe that's God's way. God wants us to work together and to become stronger and to fulfill His will, not our own. So the question we have this morning is, where do I fit in the body? That's between you and God. Notice that it doesn't say that the pastor puts them in where they want. <laughs> Thank God. Because there's a lot of times over the years I thought, well, that person would be really good at this, and no, they want to. Nope. <laughs> in fact, there's been times when I put myself right there when I should have been right there. Because down there, man, that was too much weight. I couldn't handle that, and I, so it turns out I work better up here. Someone else can hold the weight a little bit better in that area. I used to think I was really organized. I'm not. <laughs> Skip that thought. I'm thankful for guys like Nick because he's like over-the-top organized. And I need that. Helps me. Thank you. But the bottom line is this. God gifts us all differently. But when each of us does our part, the body is stronger and it grows. And it fulfills God's will, not our own. The question this morning is, where do you fit? Where does God, where do you see God putting you here in this structure? You say, well, Pastor, I've not, it's been so many years since I've done anything in the church. Good, it's time to get started. What does God want you to do? How does God want you to serve? Sometimes He uses other people to point you in a direction. Sometimes God uses other people to point out a, ta uh, a, a talent or a skill or an ability that you have that you didn't even realize. And they point it out to you and say, you know what, you're right. I wonder how I could use that in, this, in the body of Christ. Sometimes God uses a burden that He gives you. Man, i got this burden. I want to just do this and this. And What are you going to do with that burden? Tell someone else that they should do it? Because it's a really good idea. Sometimes God uses all kinds of different things to point out to you how you can be used as part of His bigger, uh, part of His body, the bigger picture, so to speak. Are you willing to do it? But the thing is, everybody's needed. And you notice that all these little people, blockheads, people, just kidding, they're all different. And I purposely went to Walmart and didn't get the ones that were all white. Because not everybody's the same. You got this person and this person and this person and three different colors. Hey, well, that's simple, Pastor. Yep. I'm a pretty simple guy. That's the way my brain works. Simply, we're all different. We're all in different places, doing different things. But when we come together, we become stronger. It's a simple concept. It really is simple. It's really that childlike. It's a simple concept. Each of us doing what God has gifted us to do. It really comes down to a matter of obedience. Will you be obedient to what God has asked you to do to be? Because excuses, they're easy. How many of you ever made a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Come on now, be honest. Right, and about half of you are lying. Um, but what happens the second week of January if you make it that long? 
That, that resolution is gone. But why is it gone? Well, it was too hard. I had to do this. I got busy. I didn't have the money. I didn't do... Excuses are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. Justifications, rationalizations, whatever, call it whatever you want. Why don't you get involved? Why don't you be involved in what God wants you to do and to be? And the structure will be stronger. You'll be more satisfied. And God will be glorified. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for